listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. I'm dodging COVID. I felt pretty sick this morning, so I went home. Brooke, I'll let you discuss your business. <laughs> I sent Brooke home because her husband, Andres, has COVID. And yeah, you she, can't say that. She volunteered to come in, and I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, said, She said, I would love to come into the office. I maybe have COVID. And I'm got the COVID. Now, she said she tested negative, but we all know that means nothing. I'm testing sleepy <laughs> and I've been I've been asleep for the last I just bought this chair and I just found this post-it note on the chair. It says sold. <laughs> okay. So how come all the all the young, vibrant leaders at Mosaic keep getting COVID? And uh here I am, the uh uh the original OG, and I'm fine. I'm not even you, in the cold. You did. You did, <laughs> Brooke, in the chat said, I'm also testing sleepy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. We have, I mean, I've been asleep on the couch for the last few hours, um, but we did a Q&A for the Art of Communication. I think it was week five. Mm-hmm. The week five? Four. Week, week four, four out of 10. It's incredible to have that community and people building. I think we need to do more. Um, with the art of communication and, build. Yeah, and today there's people. Yeah. What? Today in the live Q and a, we talked about how to have and how to create an aha moment. What uh, is an to, aha moment? Like, Cause I know the have, old, yeah. King of Leon song, aha heartbreak. You know how to get that big idea, how to have that, that epiphany, that moment where people have a, a breakthrough, a moment of clarity, or maybe the goosebumps like that. Aha. Oh my goodness. I never like saw how like that before. to blow someone's mind. Yeah. How to blow someone's mind. But make sure that you leave them enough to um, to have the next thought. <laughs> Oof. So what did you come up with? Give us a teaser. Uh, no, no, you have to go to the article. Come on, give us five seconds. <laughs> give us, give us, come on, give us a little shimmy. All right. right. One of the things I said is a mistake most speakers make is they think the big idea, aha moment, is about uh, something they get out of their intelligence. But it's actually something that you get out of uh, your humanity that the more honest you can be with yourself about a struggle, about an issue, about a topic and how you actually engage it in real life, that's where the aha comes. All my epiphanies, all my aha moments come when I'm incredibly honest with myself about the issue. And so one of the things I said to Joe Smith is um, you're not going to have the aha moments you want until you're willing to run naked in your own imagination. And, uh, and so I said, I need you to run, I need you to run naked in your imagination and let that truth expose you, see you, hide nothing, be true, and uh, be unguarded. And you cannot be unguarded on the stage if you're completely guarded even in your own soul. Brooke, I see you. I see that look. It was a scary visual. But you clarified run naked only in your imagination and not on stage. That um, is a really important clarification, (laughs) If you run naked on stage, you get tased. It will be a different kind of aha moment. (laughs) (laughs) On the floor. You'd be aha on the floor. Don't mess with us. I did like how um, our conversation today, our our live Q&A went to very personal things about how you get a family member to care about what you're talking about. But I loved what (laughs) you said. You said, don't talk so much in the conversation. Get straight to your point. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, yeah. The problem is when we just insist on weaving ten stories to get to one point, and people in your family aren't just not are just not that interested. They want to know what you have to say, what your opinion is. Start with the end, and then add stories as they ask. So that's, that's some of the stuff we talked about today. It was very very one on one and very one on stage, one on platform. It was amazing. Okay, Met Gala. Okay, Russell Westbrook wears a dress. Well, you dove right into it because I was going to say uh, my wife Kim was looking at the photographs and she was very unimpressed with the dresses. And I, I wasn't say, into it. I want to begin with a very positive thing. When I saw Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, I thought they are two of the most beautiful people on the face of this earth. Oh, my goodness. And um, his reaction with the dress reveal. I showed Kim that dress reveal. When she said there wasn't a one beautiful one beautiful dress, I said, "No, nah, look at this." And uh, I mean, it was pretty extraordinary, incredibly beautiful. And I just like the way that they don't take themselves seriously. That as beautiful as they are, they make fun of each other. And um, I, I love their comedy, so I'm a huge fan of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds, I, I'm I'm a fan of their relationship. I hope that. Um, their real life is as enjoyable as their public life. Okay. So we got Kendall Jenner with no eyebrows. We got Ooh, Hillary Clinton. Was that on purpose or accidental? Because once I was grilling and I and the fire exploded and I lost my eyebrows for a season of my life, but I, it I wasn't think a fashion it, statement. I think it was on purpose. <laughs> okay, oh, well, you know who looked amazing? No shade. You know who looked amazing? Who looked amazing? Sydney that? Sweeney from Euphoria. Oh. Sydney Sweeney looks beautiful. Her dress was beautiful. I thought she did. She was tasteful. I thought it was really nice. You, oh, my man, Austin Butler, the future oh, Elvis. Austin, dreamy, the new Elvis, killing him with those looks. Yeah, I think he was wearing custom Prada. Mm. I'm not sure. Isn't all Prada custom? <laughs> um, or or I don't, or counterfeit. Uh, and his, I didn't realize he's dating somebody. Not that it matters at all. Not that this is what this podcast is about. But Kai Gerber, he was with Kai Gerber. I'm a fan. Well, you're also friends with Austin. We text. Austin <laughs> Butler, my man. I texted him this morning. Your friends. You've I texted him this morning. <laughs> I don't know each other for a little bit. I texted him this morning and said, "My, I said, my brother, you lit it on fire. You look amazing. Um, congrats. I'm proud of you." All right, so uh, go back to Russell Westbrook because we have different we have differing opinions on wait, hold on fashion statement. I know I don't want to. Oh, so wait, Blake Lively here she looks. Did she change a few times? She has that dress that turns into blue, like a long frame. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm looking for it. It's genius. Nick, Nick Jonas, no. Evan Mock, no. Sebastian Stan, no. Jack Carlo, that was a choice right there. That's a choice. He wearing all pink. He, he, he that did not, that's not it. That's not, <laughs> that is not it. Um, Austin Butler though. Can we go back to my man? He, that was it. Blake Lively blue. Oh yes. Blue and then red. Ah, oh. okay. Russell Westbrook. Are we talking about it? All right. So I saw Russell's and I thought to myself, Probably a bad choice after such a bad season. <laughs> He's getting roasted right now. <laughs> I'm like, have a great season. You can make a bad fashion choice. 
but um, yeah. if you have a bad season, you should probably probably be more thoughtful in your fashion choice. I didn't think it was a great idea. It's not a kilt. It, it's a dress. And um, I'm not I'm not trying to like, you know, say that, you know, it's, it, the guy shouldn't wear dresses. I'm just saying that dress did not strike me as um, as beneficial to uh, to Russ's um, style. Um, brand. So I don't know, but Aaron, you, you had a different opinion. I, I didn't hate it and I'm not for the dresses thing, except for when Harry Styles wears it. I like Harry Styles weird style. Well, I think it's cool. And that's where we probably are closer. Like when Harry Styles goes crazy and goes funky and wears a dress and I go, it seems to match him. And, um, and but then Russ Russell, does it. I just felt like it just didn't feel right. It just felt like um, uh, a man in someone else's dress. <laughs> you know? It did. And, uh, Oscar Isaacs also wore a Tom Brown skirt dress situation. Okay. I don't know how I felt about that one. Um, and Gigi Hadid wore a Versace puffer thing that looked like uh, it looked like when a barista pours the espresso inside the milk. Or the milk inside the espresso. It had like all the ripples. <laughs> but you made a know. point earlier that Jesus wore something probably more comparable to Russell. I did. I said, stay off of Russ because Jesus probably wore some dresses too. They weren't considered dresses back then. They were like the toga things. But he for sure wore things that didn't have connection at the bottom. <laughs> he wore deconstructed, di- disconnected pants. The, the one pant. <laughs> I guess when I look at, you know, the historical documents of the early um, films by um, Charlton Heston <laughs> and uh, Ben-Hur yeah. and uh, The Robe, which is interesting, a m- movie called The Robe. But um, yeah. it seems like the only people who wore pants were the soldiers. And then everybody else just sort of hanging around town. All the merchants were dresses or robes didn't so. didn't they wear skirts mini skirts might i add in 300 that's true but you know those guys were jacked <laughs> they were jacked so but. you can kind of wear whatever you want <laughs> okay so, i'm just saying you're never going to see me in a dress i'm just going to go ahead and make my ultimate statement right here and um it's but do you wear a rope i really don't i have a robe i have the coolest robe in the world I have an off-white Virgil robe that Eric and Tess gave me, and I have worn that, and I feel very, very comfy. But have you ever worn it as like a normal piece outside? No, but yesterday I did go get my coffee in my pajamas. Was (laughs) (laughs) was, uh, (laughs) Was Justin Bieber there? He was? Haley was. Haley was. I didn't see Justin, though. Amazing. He did? Hey, no, Haley. Haley looked amazing. Haley did look amazing. She's so beautiful. But Justin, yeah. I don't think Justin he wasn't there. was there. He didn't go. And neither was Harry Styles. And neither was Zane. Sadly, no. Sadly, no. I will say oh, those, wait. Those, those, those events, up. though, are dead. Look, look at the group chat. How do you say this guy's name? Papa Esiedu? Yeah, he's a British actor. Oh, my. That's amazing, though. He looks amazing. GQ said he's one of the best dressed guys there, and he's in a velvet skirt. Dad, look at this guy. 
Okay. That's that looks pretty awesome. I don't know. You know Easter, 20, Easter 2023 out here. Maybe I'm, I'm be... like, I might wear that. Maybe I'll, I'll retract what I said earlier. And uh, but that's that's actually pretty cool looking. But maybe it's because he's also very cool looking. Also, if you're listening to this and you're from like deep Texas or from Kansas City, like my man Austin, or you're from maybe from Nashville and you're like, I thought this was called Battle Ready, not let's wear skirts. We're just <laughs> we're just having some fun. We're talking about the Met Gala. It's a this event episode's in called York Men City. in Skirts. It's called it's called Braveheart, dog. <laughs> it's called 300. All right. I'm sorry. It's I'm called Romans 1 1. I still think Russell's is a mistake. I'm just saying. I do too. You ain't, you ain't my. You ain't, a good thing I hate the Lakers, though. You can have them. <laughs> have your man Russ oh. out there. All right. <clears throat> Let's talk about something important. Okay. We've just talked about pop culture for a few minutes. And, um, and I, I'm sure there are nuances in fashion that I just haven't understood yet that um, uh, color my, my perspectives. But, um, but isn't that what fashion is about? It's about making a statement about who you are. And, um, and that's why people dress differently, because some people are not who you are and not who you'll ever be. And, uh, and part of the fun of life is just being different, being unique. So I want to celebrate everyone who had the courage just to be themselves. You know what the Met Gala feels like to me? It feels, I don't want to encourage you. The, the Met Gala feels like Duck Hunt. <laughs> that old Super Nintendo like game with like the, the little fake shotgun and the ducks that you'd have to shoot out of like the digital sky. That's what it feels like. It's like you decided to walk out there and see if you could survive. <laughs> Talk to us, Brooke. Okay, I have, a, I have an amendment. I am sorry I led you astray. Okay. Papa Isidu was actually wearing culottes, <laughs> like giant pants that look like a skirt when they're together. See, and that's probably I, why I was a little more like I might. And that's that. why we were into it. See, it, oh. my, my soul knew those were actually pants. <laughs> Dude, um, he culottes, looks up. Call he them whatever you want. Amazing. Those are just pants. <laughs> I want some of those. Okay. Let's talk about Roe versus Wade. Let's oh, get into it. We woke up right. and the world is in shambles. So yesterday, I saw on the news that there was a draft opinion from the Supreme Court where the five, I think, um, justices in a, in a majority wrote a piece about Roe versus Wade being um, poor constitutional law. And, that, um, and it also that it has not had the effect of bringing the nation together because it circumvented the process of the people. And um, the opinion papers are not a change in the law. Opinion papers uh, do not um, serve as Supreme Court um, judgments. Um, and what, what hit me the moment I heard this was the Supreme Court is probably the most sacred governmental organization in our nation. And justices write opinions all the time. They're drafting opinions all the time. It's what they do. They're lawyers looking at the law all the time. And the importance of keeping that process confidential is, is paramount to the effective functioning of a Supreme Court. And someone leaked it. And so I, I had this immediate thought, oh. Is it normal for it to get leaked? No. Oh, so this doesn't happen. This is this. 
Look, there are leaks in the White House all the time because the White House is leaking on purpose. There, there are leaks in the Senate and in Congress all the time because you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in a conversation that can't keep a secret. And, uh, um, but the Supreme Court, these people are usually incredibly confidential. And the people who work with them have almost like a vow of, of loyalty to the constitutional process of the judges that it's just a sacred space. And so this is rare. I mean, I don't know, Brooke, if you can find the last time there was a, a leak of this kind to record, or has there ever been? And not that I remember in my lifetime, I'm sure there have been, but this is the first time I've um, been aware of it. So that, so there's this leak and my immediate thought was, oh, this is being leaked because the midterms are coming, because we have out of control inflation, because gas prices are through the roof, because we have um, an engagement in Ukraine with the Russians, um, because our economic, um, the economic philosophy of the Biden administration is destroying our, the American economy. And there needs to be a a surefire polarizing issue that will allow Democrats to band together, rally people to give money and to vote. So my mind immediately went to this. It wasn't, I go, this isn't about Roe versus Wade. This is all about getting the vote out for the midterms. This is why this has been leaked and this is why this is happening now. So that was my thought yesterday. And then I wake up this morning and, and I do have the bad habit of looking at my phone uh, when I get up in the morning and this is um, what came in. I had already probably been up an hour and a half came in at um, eight forty-seven this morning, JoeBiden.com, And because I was uh, in the white house during the Obama administration several times, I get all the democratic party updates and, and, uh, and it, it says breaking news, Roe versus Wade, Biden, Harris, Democrats, a leaked draft opinion written by Republican appointed justice, Samuel Alito revealed the Supreme Court is set to overturn Roe versus Wade, which would deal a devastating blow to American fundamental freedoms to make their own decisions about the, their health care and families. And then in bold, uh, we will fight back with everything we have to make sure the Republicans um, have to answer for their party's relentless attacks. And it tells us now I need to give money to stop the Republicans from taking over the Senate, Congress, from winning the midterm elections. How did they already have this? Like, I mean, what, what group of meeting met last night at midnight and said, oh, we have a leak that just happened to come out. We were unaware this was happening. So we need to have a democratic strategy to raise money across the nation because this just happened. And the truth is that any thinking person knew that what would happen the next day is that you would begin to get Emails telling you when, when you actually already believe the narrative, um, you need to give your money right now or they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. This has been decades and decades of conversation. This is not like something that just happened yesterday. And Brooke just sent me this piece of information. It says in a January CNN poll, almost seven out of 10 Americans, 69%, said they opposed the Supreme Court overruling Roe. That includes 86% of Democrats and 72% of independents. So if that's true, what the Supreme Court can do is they can overturn Roe versus Wade, but they cannot force states 
to not keep abortion legal. What it does is it turns the power back to states. And if the majority of the American people are for uh, allowing abortions without limitations, that's actually what's going to happen across the nation. The Supreme Court is not dealing with whether the law should exist. It's dealing with whether the law was um, legally executed from that case, which is what the Supreme Court is supposed to do. Ask the question, is something good law? And, uh, and if it is good law, then you defend it. If it's not, then you don't. It doesn't mean just because something isn't good law that it shouldn't be um, implemented through a right process. And, uh, but, um, but, and even though I'm a person, I'm pro-life. Like I, and, uh, but, um, but I immediately had this thought. It's, 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 it's a strategic political decision. And the moment you think that this is really about Roe versus Wade, it's not. This is, this is about mobilizing the base and getting people to vote. I even had this which, thought. Which well, base? Well, I, well, once I got my updates no, from which the Democratic base? Party, it's the Democratic Party. But okay. I kept my mind open yesterday going, maybe it's the Republicans. Like I, I did. Like yesterday, I was going, maybe it's the Republicans leaking this so that they can get the Republican base out there because it is also the incendiary issue for Republicans. If you want to get a lot of Republicans out there, you start talking about pro-life. And they, the moment you, you talk about pro-life, they stop thinking about poverty. They stop thinking about social justice. They stop thinking about racial equality and diversity. They stop thinking about all these other issues that are really important. They even stop thinking about the economy or everything else. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like the red states are turning on the sprinkler system. They're saying there's a dog in the yard. Don't jump the fence. And if you come into our states, you're going to deal with the way we want to rule our states. This is going, giving power back to this. I, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with this. I'm just establishing what I think it is. This is the Supreme Court justice laying it out there going, we're going to give the power back to the states. Let the states decide. Because now there's this huge migration of liberals moving into red states and then trying to change the laws within the states that they're living in and completely changing uh, the like a uh, political demographic or economic like uh, laws that the reason why they move there, is they're changing it all. I do not say that the best way, but it seems like that going like, hey, look, go back to the states. You want the laws that you prefer. Or if you go to these new states, stop trying to change the laws. This is how the laws are going to be. We're going to give the states more power because federally we've lost the power. Or federally, that the, the power shifts and kind of is more propaganda from the right to left, right to left. It swings in a pendulums harder than it ever has before. Yeah. And I think one of the things for me is that there just needs to be more intelligent conversations about the reality of how you address an issue. Uh, you, 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 I don't want to go back to a world where women are getting backdoor abortions and risking their life. And, and I don't want women to have to give birth when there's rape and incest or even the life of the mother. Um, I, I think there are things that, that should be fundamentally protected by the choice of that person. And, um, and it's so a when, really tricky thing. Yeah. So I, I, I think when people not. who are far right go, no, absolutely not. That's just so inhumane that no wonder you lost the battle. And then I think also when the left says, no, you can have, you should be able to terminate a birth up to the day when the baby would be born. You need to be really Do people honest say that. Oh yeah. You could have an abortion up to the very last trimester to the very last moment. 
And when, when we're allowing that, we need to realize that that's inhumane. There's just something really demented and, and disturbing about us as human beings to pretend that's not a human being. And so I think it's important to have meaningful conversations from both ends of the conversation. But I think this right now, this leak, it's purely political. It's about getting the vote The Supreme Court historians say they have no record of a draft opinion ever being released, but information from like private arguments in um, Supreme Court decisions has been leaked before. Just nothing this this critical and substantial. Yeah, this substantial. Um, Most notably, the last Supreme Court decision that had a lot of political leaks was Roe versus Wade in the 70s. Mm -hmm. I read that 20 states have waiting in place um, uh, laws that impact abortion that they would put in place if Roe versus Wade is overturned. My thing is this, I guess the offense of having an abortion is charged heavier than rape. We, we start to have issues. Like if you have a woman, it, no, no, let me finish. If yeah, someone gets raped and the person who rapes them does not stay in jail longer or have more severe punishment than the person who has the abortion. It's, it's, it's inhumane. That is disgusting. We we have to find, we have to, we have to create laws that protect women, protect their, protect their choices in those situations and defend them against people who take advantage of those, of, of, of women in those situations. That is a hundred percent. Right. I, 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 it, 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 it becomes really difficult for me to go either way because it's, to say you're you're against a woman's choice is 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 it it, it sounds uh, insane, but to say that you're pro-abortion also sounds insane. So it's it it isn't for me. It isn't one or the other. It's like how do we actually navigate this with such delicacy and 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 realize this is such a, this is a fragile matter. That why are we looking at it? Why are we getting so politically charged? Why are we not actually taking at this and going? Okay, can we actually discuss this in a healthy way? Yeah, I just, I, I think that mature people can talk about protecting um, the rights of women and recognizing that um, I don't want to live in a society where a woman is ever sent to jail because she had an abortion, period. And, um, and I do think that we are more likely to try to create laws that limit the freedom of women than we do that, uh, to hold men accountable uh, for destructive choices they've made. And, and I think we have to like process that a little bit better as a society. But I, if I could move this into maybe a, um, a slightly different agenda, um, one of the statements in the email I got that said, um, Roe versus Wade would deal a devastating blow to Americans' fundamental freedom to make their own decisions about their healthcare and families. So I'm going, wait a minute, how in the world as a Democrat can you run on protecting the fundamental freedom of Americans to make their own decisions about their healthcare and families when you've been forcing everyone to get vaccines. Oh, get them. I, I, I mean, look, let's try to be consistent. If we, if we have the right to make choices about our own bodies, how have you forced us into a national tragedy of two years of quarantine where Vibrant, young, healthy uh, humans were forced to get vaccines and would, were, would lose their jobs, would lose their careers, would lose their futures 
because they would not get a vaccine that had not been properly tested, had not been pro properly processed. And now we know has such limited efficacy that you just have to keep taking vaccine after vaccine after vaccine after vaccine. Dead. And this is why, Dad. Dead. It's because they were trying to help us trust the science. It wasn't because Pfizer's first quarter in 2022 grew 77 percent. They're up 25 billion because they made 15 billion on the Pfizer vaccines. That couldn't be why. It's because the left actually trusts science, Dad. Dad, science. You don't trust it. Yeah, I, this it's is science. So Dad, it's science. Like, but hold on, Dad. It's science, Dad. Though it's science. <laughs> it isn't logic. It's science. All right, Dad. It's science, Dad. Yes, yeah, science. 25 is billion, dog, and they're probably Republicans. All right. We just need to be consistent with the science. We need to be consistent to science when it comes to uh, the fact that um, what's inside of a mother's womb is a human being. We need to be consistent with the science that um, that there are, are two basic biologies that all, human, uh, all uh, humans and mammalian species, male and female, we need to be consistent with the science. But we're not consistent with the science because we politicize everything. In our we society. don't. We don't. We, but we do not. Brooke, <laughs> talk to me. You say I do a little bit? <laughs> yes, you do. I did mime that in the camera, yes. <laughs> I thought you were raising your hand again, Brooke. <laughs> but, but I think it's important to go, it's amazing how, how much we trust in science when science agrees with our opinion. So are we trusting in science or our opinions? And so if we're going to protect the fundamental freedom of Americans to make choices about their own health care, then let's do that. Look, <laughs> if a person doesn't want to be vaccinated, let them play in the NBA. I don't care if it's Kyrie Irving, and I don't care if he believes in a flat earth. The man has the right to play basketball. And uh, in New My York. Man. My man straight up does not believe in any science. <laughs> No science. science. Hold on. I, I was in the gym yesterday and I was listening uh, to this guy talk. There's not that many people in this gym. And he goes, you know what my friend says uh, about doctors and their diagnosis. And the trainer goes, what? And he goes, if you don't like the diagnosis, change the doctor. <laughs> but I was watching this. And I was like, Ricky that Gervais. is. <laughs> That is so, so true. true logic. Yeah. I was watching this clip with, I think, Ricky Gervais and uh, Stephen Colbert. And Stephen Colbert was actually talking to him about God. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And Ricky Gervais saying, no, you know, look, um, you can believe in religions if you wipe out all religions and all religious books a thousand years from now, they will not exist. But if you wipe out all the science a thousand years from now, the science will be the same. And that's how I know science is right. And I thought, are you out of your mind? A hundred years ago, science said leeches will cure you from cancer. You know, I mean, and, uh, in what universe is science consistent a thousand years later or a hundred years later or 10 years later? Science is the same thing as philosophy and religion in that it is a human's perspective yeah. on reality. And that perspective changes. And so the moment you're not allowed to question anything, it's no longer science. It is religion. I don't care if you call it science. Dad, Brooke, this is my question to you guys. It feels like the, the vice president nomination was used kind of like as a, a marketing tool. It felt like the Supreme Court justice was used as a marketing tool. It feels like this is also being used as a marketing tool to rally the left about one more thing that they can get angry about. 
before we go into the midterm elections. We know that that's the case. We know that in some in some in some way or form, this is being used by one side or the other to incite a riot. Do we get to a place where where our country can agree to disagree? where our country can actually sit down at the table and help each other, where one president doesn't destroy the last president. I was watching, uh, what was the thing, the, 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 the president's banquet that they just had where Trevor Noah was hosting and how he just kept like dumping on the last president, kept dumping on the last president, but he never wasn't talked about the how the fact- correspondent dinner, was it? It oh, yeah, was, yeah. it was, it was. Okay. And they, aren't they supposed to roast the president? They're, they're supposed to roast everyone. <laughs> but they're supposed to roast the president. The, current, the sitting in, president. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, in office. Well, our president can only sit because he he's because he just like, no, this is I'm not making this is my thing. I was like, me and you were arguing about this, dad, because you were like, I feel bad for him because he's lose. It feels like he's kind of losing a bit of his, you know, his uh, his mental state in front of the whole world. And I'm like, yeah. what a way to go out. Like this is the last <laughs> thing I remember is me being on top. <laughs> it's how Aaron wants to go out. He, won't he wants to be ruler of the world as his last memory. <laughs> but I do actually, I pray, I've been praying for President Biden because I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want the end of his presidency to be, you know, by any means uh, embarrassing or humiliating. I think that's why Trevor Noah didn't poke as much fun at President Biden as he would have um, President Trump or President Obama. But it does feel unfair that we don't actually look into the mirror and go, are we questioning and looking at it? Like we're fighting over such insane things right now, such extremist things. And it, it doesn't, like I had to move my, I ordered Chick-fil-A lemonade because I, I wanted that. And I was like, if I put this in this podcast, I'm going to have some, there, I already got trolls on the Bad Ready Podcast YouTube that are saying Aaron needs to come out of the closet. Aaron's a closeted gay person. Did I had to tell you about this, dad? No. I screenshotted it. And it, it took me back to elementary school when they used to like, you know, call me a, a, a bad word all the time. Where I asked you, like, hey, dad, am I gay? And you're like, I don't know. Do you like guys or do you like girls? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, okay, you'll figure it out. Um, Actually, I said, do you like guys? You said, dad, am I gay? Because you were just being called gay all the time. Well, I was being called, I was being called F-A, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and which is interesting because it was at a Christian school. Yeah. And it, um, and you were probably the most moral person. And that was a part of the dilemma. At the time. at the time. And, um, and I remember saying, do you, Hey, do you, uh, do you like boys? Or do you like girls? And you said, Oh no, I, I, I like girls. And I said, well, then you're not gay. Like it was, I, I, I didn't define it for you. I just said, Hey, just tell me, you know, yeah. what's happening inside of you. And you said, no, I like girls. And I go, Oh, and you go, Oh, okay. That it. I go, yeah, that's it. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and it's unfortunately and it's- you like girls way too much. And my say. <laughs> And my sexual identity has gone through some some seasons because girls didn't like me. That's how much I knew I liked girls. You don't even like me and I like you. No, this guy said 12 days ago, could you guys share Aaron's story when he used to be gay in his teens? That's projecting if I've ever heard it. <laughs> so are you gaslighting, projecting, uh, out, outing, uh, sexual identifying? Are you, you know, like all those things that they say. Are you doing that to me? Because that sounds what it sounds like. I said, what are you talking about? The guy said, at Battle Ready Podcast, come on. It's not easy to make coming out. It's not easy to make coming out, but you know, rumors already here. Be brave and protect LGBTQ plus rights is one of us. And 
it, it's crazy because I don't think I've ever, I've never kissed a guy, like not even as a joke. I, I'm just saying all the years of wildness, never kissed a man. I only kissed my father on the cheek. So I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm not, doesn't matter. I feel comfortable about it. If I did, I would tell you. Yeah, I, I, um... but I find it so dark. I do, you don't find it dark. Is this weird? It's off topic, but it's, it happened. It's weird. I, I think it's, um, it's dark when, when anyone tries to project someone's sexual identity. Yeah. Or a narrative on someone else's life. And, it's weird, um, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a part of the world we live in and we need to recognize that, you know? And, um, so, but no, I just, that's, that's your answer. It's the I world we live in. We reckon- no, that's I, wrong. No, my answer was, I, I think it's really, I just don't even know how to relate to someone like just feels so weird. It's so dark. And it's so, it's so dark. Um, you know, yesterday, I mean, honestly, like yesterday, your mom and I were talking and she goes, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Then, you know, then she did. But then and, we did. Uh, and, and she said, but I saw someone yesterday in a photograph on Facebook with someone else. And, and I said, oh, that's the guy who told me. I said, hey, why are you still at Mosaic? You, you hate everything about me. You hate everything I've done. You hate every decision I make. He goes, oh, no, I'm staying at Mosaic because I want to be here the day you fall. Who I was it? Here, Tell us. I want to be here the day that you, you, your, your whole life collapses. And, um, and, and I wait, told him, wait, I said, wait, hold, you on, know, hold on, let's be about the name. Who was that? No, I'm not going to say who was. No, you got to say it. Who was he it? He doesn't deserve publicity. We're not going to say on the podcast. We'll bleep this out. We'll cut this out. But who was it? No, I'm not going to tell you. And, but I got to do such, yoga real quick. There's such darkness in the world. <laughs> I got to breathe. But, but what, what does it tell you about someone if their only ambition or joy in life is to watch somebody else's life fall apart? Like, I can tell you that I just don't have that ambition for anyone. And come over on a Monday afternoon. I'll fall apart for you. Like, <laughs> falling is regular. <laughs> it's you know what's this is my issue with like all the hillsong stuff all that's all of the like the all of the like the 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 presidential pastoral the ceo all that stuff is that if people were just more like open about the things that my issue is that it's it's it they don't respond because it's public shaming and like outing of their sexual mistakes and i i like have i think it's so shameful that people do that that they do the mistakes but then they also try to shame them for the mistakes but also at the same time, like it's such a missed opportunity when if you could just go out and go, hey, look, this is actually what's going on. Hey, look, this is really what's happening in my life. Hey, look, this is the mistake I made. And this is the conversation we're trying to have. Instead of spinning it, being like, hey, this was actually like the, the, the insane situation I put myself and my family in. And, and, and I understand privacy. And so each person is their own. So, you know, I'm not, there's no criticism of it. But you better believe, man. Yeah. I, it's just, well, it's I just, just want to. I hope people feel protected when they can speak out and go like, yeah, I, I did that. I effed up. Like, let me become a better person now. Get out of the way. Yeah, I just, look, uh, when it comes to a political level, I, I want President Biden to succeed. I, I want uh, Kamala Harris to succeed. Where um, is she? I, man, she's the invisible woman. She I had, mean, she had Brooks insane. house. Yeah. <laughs> Got COVID. Yeah, I think there's something wrong in our culture where if a Republican's elected, we just want to make sure he fails. And if a Democrat's elected, then the other group wants to make sure that they fail. Like it's we should change. actually, we, we just, we should want people to succeed because it makes the world better for all of us. 
And um, and and when I've said that about President Biden's um, mental um, stability, I've not yeah. said it in, in a hurtful any way. way. Uh, yeah, m- malicious or or even to make fun yeah. of him. I I actually feel sad for him. I, I yeah. Um, I, I'm worried for him, and I'm worried for our, our nation because I don't know who's making decisions because I don't think he's capable of making those decisions. And um, but I thought about it. Wow, this is. I felt angry the other day. I felt angry at Donald Trump going because you had to be such a jerk because you couldn't yeah. just push white supremacists off the bus because, yeah. you, you know, you had to use such incendiary language and that you I actually did. created an environment where a man was elected that probably isn't competent to lead. And so, like, this is I, the thing the, the left needs to know. You make if you push things further and further to the left, you're going to get the worst of the right. And the right needs to know if you push things further and further to the right, you're going to get the worst of the left. Uh, because whenever you push things too far, you actually get the worst from the polar opposite, having an opening and uh, and then having power. Can we talk about the the little graph that Elon posted about 20, it was like year 2028 or sorry, year 2008, year 2012 and year 2021. And it talked about like where he stood in context. It was like, a, it's a line graph and it's like far left center, right. And then he's kind of yeah. a little bit left of the center. And then in 2012, it's uh, the left running far left. And then he is a little bit closer to the center. And then 2021, it's the far left woke progressive and it's yelling, it's a little stick figure yelling, bigot. And it's Elon to the right of the center. And then there's like the crazy conservatives off on the right saying like, LOL. But in the graph, this, his stick figure of him is the exact same place the whole time. But the center has moved far left, far left, far left, far left. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sometimes because I go, I don't really re- truly resonate with Republicans. I ran into like a crazy, crazy Republican over the weekend. And they were saying some stuff. They made me look like AOC. <laughs> ACM out here with AOC. Because I was like, you can't say that stuff out loud. Like, you really cannot. Do you know where you are? You're in Los Angeles. Like, there is no way that, how do you think like this? Uh, but it does feel like the, the political demographic or the political topography of the nation and of culture right now is that the center is just moving so, so, so far to the left that we're just going to be alone over here on the rights with us and some country folk. <laughs> Way to alienate everyone. <laughs> no, what's that? my cousins are country folks. I love them. Yeah. I'm very excited though. Um, because whenever I see things move to extremes, I think it creates a great opportunity to have intelligent people rise up and hopefully, um, thoughtful people will emerge and better voices will rise up in our nation and people who are less politicizing and, and genuinely have ideals that they want to advance, um, will begin to be elected into positions of power. Um, so, you know, you just got to keep hoping and, uh, and, but the way the political system is set up is I don't know if good people can run. I don't know if good people can win. I think it's a really difficult space to be in. Um, and it just seems like so much of what 
a person needs to win in our political system um, comes at the cost of your soul. And um, which is why I do what I do. You know, if I thought me fighting my way to Washington would help me bring the most good in the world, that's what I would be doing. I just think um, I want to speak to the soul of a nation and, uh, and hope that I can um, win people's hearts and that we can have a revolution that begins from the most humane space. Um, so I'm not, I don't feel powerless. I am, um, I am not a victim. I am, I'm not uh, discouraged. I feel like um, the fact that we have technology, we can have a battle ready podcast. The fact that we can air our opinions, the fact that we can be wrong and get it right. The fact that we can keep talking um, and talking about issues and until maybe someone smarter than us has a breakthrough idea that makes the world better. All that makes me hopeful. To, that, that to me is very exciting. Well, do you, you heard that President Biden created, a, is it called the, the Ministry of Truth? Of disinformation? So we may not be able to do this podcast very long. Sounds like so the we're Ministry gonna, of Magic. What's that? Ministry of... Sounds like a Harry Potter organization, like the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, the but maybe it's, it's like dark magic. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, if you look at every fascist regime for the regime for the last like hundred years, they had things like this: communist, socialist, the Nazi regime. They had organizations that were uh, providing truth on behalf of the government and monitoring and controlling and filtering out the other people's opinions. I mean, that's how. I mean, that's literally how Nazism. But took I, over when I can't figure out. There's a lot of people running the United Go States government are older than me. And I had to read 1984. I had to read George Orwell's Picture of the Future. Yeah. Like anyone who had to read Orwell knows you shouldn't have a ministry of disinformation or a ministry of truth. Right. I mean, <laughs> all you need is, yeah. is just to read a little bit of science fiction and know this is really a bad idea. Yeah. Brooke, what do you say? say Brooke? Yeah, no, just they're calling it the disinformation governance board, the DGB. The DGB. Yeah, there's yeah. so much disinformation we got to protect the nation from, right? Because yeah. Americans aren't smart enough to filter through things. And but yeah, <laughs> we we only know one language, and we don't even know how to tell the truth. So let's go back seventy years. Take so us. you have before you guys were born. You have leave it to Beaver. You have the Cleavers. You're not seventy years old. Before you were born. That's true. That's true. For all, if we're going this time machine, we're all going. See, there you are, the Minister of Disinformation, already at work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Because you have shows like, um, you know, Leave it to Beaver. You have shows um, like Bewitched. Um, are those, so those shut down because, first of all, there was no perfect family like the nuclear family of the Cleavers. Secondly, there's no such thing as a witch. And so you shouldn't have Bewitched because. Uh, convincing people to creating a narrative that someone has this, these magical powers is, is not healthy. Like, I mean, where, where do you like draw the line of going, uh, you can't do that. I mean, in China, they, American films have to change their endings to fit into the expectations and requirements of the Chinese government. Uh, in fact, uh, I think it's like the Disney film where there's a, a, I think there's a gay kiss in it that has been reinstated except in other countries. See, in the Middle East, you're not going to have that gay kiss in the movie if that movie is going to go into the Middle East. It's not going to, you're not going to have certain things in, uh, in China or Russia if you're going to have those movies go to those countries. But I think it's interesting is our 
film industry is willing to adjust their narratives for other countries when they say they're standing on principle in our country. And that's a have, that way. That's a great point. It's not that principled. It's all about econ- economics. So then why is it more economically beneficial for the studio system and the networks to back the gay community in America, but not over in the Middle East, where actually probably they need more help establishing human rights? Hmm. Yeah. Brooke? <laughs> I don't know. You're the female voice of this podcast. You got to give us something. I was looking up what the same sex kiss is. They they took it out of Lightyear, the new movie starring Chris Evans about Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. And after Ron DeSantis passed the parental rights and education bill, they put it back as like a. I can't think Stick of a nice way to say that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I know. It's, it's yeah. And uh, but I guarantee you they didn't put it back in the Middle East. No. And. And so the same institutions, organizations that will fight for women's rights in the United States will re- remain silent in other countries. And it's, it's, it, I mean, it's amazing. We will ignore genocide in China because we have economic interests in China. We are, and uh, we'll, we'll ignore the, the relationship to terrorism in Saudi Arabia because we have economic um, responsibilities and dependencies on Saudi Arabia. And so we need to realize that even when we're talking about principles, usually there's some economic agenda behind it that um, that the principles defer to along the way. You said you think Americans are smart enough to figure these things out for themselves. Do you really? They're <laughs> not. Did he say that? You didn't say that. <laughs> Americans... <laughs> All right. Our collective thought process is limited. Over the past two years, I think. That's, well, that's what the founders believe. They believe well, that it was, the majority no. could not be trusted with decision-making. That's why we have a republic and not a democracy. Well, I was sitting with my friend over the weekend, and we see the op- we definitely see pl- we're the opposite politically. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's, it's affected our relationship in the past where we've had moments where we don't, where friendship was something we had to navigate through and, and, mm-hmm. and, Luckily, he's a very forgiving person, a very patient person. And also, I think I've become more patient and more forgiving, um, though I find it easier to be his friend than I think sometimes he, it is for him to be my friend. But I, but, but I will say this, that he has been a good friend to me. So like either way, we're true friends. But we're sitting at dinner the other night. We hadn't seen each other for like a month. And we were talking about the don't say gay bill. I said, what do you think? And he approached, very, I, you know, he approached it very he very, very, uh, how do you say, uh, cautiously, uh, cautiously, but, uh, uh, diplomatically. Okay. And he says, well, you know, I just don't understand why you can't say gay. And I said, have you read the bill? And he goes, well, no, of course not. And I said, well, you should hit like, you know, command F and search for don't say gay anywhere in that bill. And he Googles it. And I was like, I was like, bro, my, my issue isn't that, you know, talking about gay people. I, I want people to, I want, I want kids to be educated. I want people to understand uh, the world they live in and people's identities and, and all those things. But, you know, three years old to seven-year-olds or four-year-olds to seven-year-olds doesn't make any sense. And he's like, it's not four to seven. He's like, you're ridiculous. He's going at, like, you know, not like intense, but just a little, you know, so it was a four out of 10. And I was like, no, bro, like, sit there, Google it. And he sits there, Googles it, and he's astonished. 
astonished that, that, that what we're arguing over is year four to year seven. And yet, and he, he lifts his head up and goes, it's the, it's the greatest marketing move he's ever seen. He's a, he's a marketing guy. This is the greatest <laughs> marketing move I've ever seen. He's like, how is it that American politics are so controlled by mass media marketing and propaganda? You can come up with a clever name for something and you absolutely destroy its validity. Though Florida probably still will pass it. Well, it is a dilemma, you, you know. I mean, going back to um, the founding fathers did not trust the democracy. You know, the whole idea of let's get everyone's uh, everyone to vote, that was never like the American idea. Um, really? What was it? It was. It's a republic. It's basically, let's make sure the people who are informed are voting. And, um, and you know, maybe in that sense, I'm not like a, um, a common democracy person. Um, if you don't know the issues, if you haven't paid attention, I don't really want you to vote. Like I'm not a get the vote out, get everyone to vote. See, I think when you're, when you do that, you're actually probably just trying to manipulate the system because you know, the people can be coerced. They can be manipulated and they, uh, and you can, you can use some kind of marketing phrase and exacerbate people's anger or fear or whatever it is and, uh, and get them to go vote on your behalf. Um, I, I think things are run better when people pay attention and people who, um, care enough to, to, uh, know the issues are the ones actually voting. So uh, I, you know, if you don't have the energy to get up and go to the election booth and to fill out the paperwork and to vote, I'm like, stay home, watch baseball, watch football, basketball, whatever you do. Don't worry about it. And, uh, uh, because, uh, most likely you're being manipulated anyway. So, um, I think we need to have an informed society. I think people need to pay attention. I think people need to listen. I think people need to learn. And I mean, I have a friend and he's, you know, he, he sends me some pretty extreme stuff and your friend's crazy. I, I, I said, he's little, me crazy, but he crazier. I send those back. Go, Hey, you know, I just need you to, you know, think through this or, you know, this is kind of like pretty intense conspiracy theory. And, um, but, but when we talk, I know he listens and, uh, and, um, and we have an, an engaging conversation. And what's amazing to me is I know people who are all like Ivy League graduates and um, they hold completely opposite views on so many issues in the world. Uh, but one thing we can do is everybody can sit at the table and argue and fight and then order steaks, eat and have a great time and then enjoy the night. And I think thoughtful people, though they may disagree, can usually have meaningful intelligent conversations. So anyway, okay, um, we've been going at this for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just, Do we have any conclusions. Yeah, yeah. One reminder is that when you think that you can't trust institutions, you know, cause uh, it's, it's, it's really not about, you can't trust institutions. It's which institutions you choose to trust. If you are like super far on the right economically, what you trust are businesses. And what you don't trust is government. And if you're super far on the left, what you trust is government and what you don't trust are businesses. And, but they're both institutions. And what you need to realize is that you are actually putting your trust in an institution. It's just that one institution that's known as corporations, they generate wealth. And the other institution that's known as government consumes wealth. And, and so a, a huge part of it is trying to understand why you trust the institutions you trust and, and to realize that 
all institutions are in the end controlled by humans, which is why it's really important to have checks and balances. And that's why it's important to make sure that whatever the ministry of disinformation is, it should not be run by the government. It's one institution creating a monopoly on truth. And that's dangerous. I think it should be run by moms. <laughs> truth. <laughs> moms will get it done. Give moms daylight savings time. They'll get it done. Give moms these laws. They'll get it done. Single moms, married moms, all moms. Man moms, man moms, the moms, the men that stay home and take care of the kids, they'll figure it out. And you know why? It's because why? moms tend to care more about the next generation than they care about themselves. Yep. And so they'll oftentimes make the right decisions. And Love you, mom. The future. Yeah, it's Happy Mother's Day. Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's, Happy Mother's Is it Mother's Day, Day this week? week? Yes, On Sunday. Is. I got to order those flowers. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Love you. Happy Mother's Day, mom. I'm, I'm so sorry for Happy this Mother's episode. <laughs> All right. I think we've covered most of the things we want to talk about today. Okay. <laughs> this episode was wild. This was a wild stallion. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Thank you for everyone who has rated and reviewed this on Apple Podcast, who has rated this on Spotify and subscribed on YouTube. We have like a few hundred more subscribers on YouTube than we did before. Uh, the last few episodes have been going off, and I'm so, so grateful that you've been joining us with joining joining with us as we discuss these topics, get into these politics, and talk about big ideas. We are so grateful for you guys. Don't forget to check out The Art of Communication at theartofcommunication.org. We will see you next Friday. Thank you to Brooke Odom and Austin St. John and Erwin Raphael McManus and Tess Roy, if she's still in that booth. We love all of you. Thank you for making this podcast happen each and every week. So grateful. We'll see you guys next Friday for another, another episode of Battle Ready. <laughs> Take care. Bye, guys. 